it's just I I don't think I've ever truly been into club. In the the club? Yeah. Is it in the club? Not in the club. In the club. D-A. In the club. In print, it's called in the club. Cool. It's not like one of those things where we all assume it's, it's one thing. It's in the club. Like how everybody assumes that he go that uh, Will Smith says "Welcome to Earth." Welcome to Earth. In uh, Independence Day, when he very clearly articulates Earth. Earth. In that quote. Yeah. And if you think he says "Welcome to Earth." Welcome to And Introducing, a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. I'm Molly O'Brien. And introducing, getting rich or dying trying, it's 50 Cent. After childhood in Queens spent selling crack, coke, and heroin and just barely avoiding the long dick of the law, 50's club-ready rap brought him to dominate popular music in the early aughts and enough notoriety to catch nine bullets. And today we'll be learning all about his life, those bullets, and his music through his book, From Pieces to Wait. Once Upon a Time in Southside, Queens. It's a wonderful title. It very much is. It sounds like kind of a um, revisionist Western that the RZA would direct. Ooh. So it kind of sounds like a, a fairy tale. Yes. Of a little boy named 50 Cent who grew up to be a big boy, very big, big boy, boy named 50, named 50 Cent. Cent. Yes. Is it is his life a fairy tale quality, though? It kind of, but he did, he, I mean, he did the work. There was no... Well, there was a godfather who we'll talk about, but there was no fairy godmother just tapping Him her on the sparkly shoulder. wand and saying, congratulations, you've sold 20 million albums. Uh, before we get into Fiddy, though, uh, should we do a little uh, uh, update on a previous topic of ours in which we have a, a new entry into the collection of uh, Jack Antonoff's uh, oh, uh, yeah. beautiful little poppets? Jack has struck struck again. Um, our our guest Hillary Benton. Uh, now I see her commonly tweeting his name with asterisks in various places. So mm-hmm. I just think of him as like Jerk Ermtonoff now. I always think of his name as Jerk Ginnanoff. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, Lana Del Rey posted a picture with him wearing max matching tuxedos. So I guess he's uh, sapping her artistic cred- credibility for himself now, right? Uh, yeah, he's a he's a female talent vampire, and he must be stopped. He must be stopped. His Lana rate, doesn't his rate of need terror. his help. Yes, she, Lana is is nostalgia embodied. Also, her sound is unique and totally opposite of his. Yeah, well, yeah. He does like big bombastic like arena anthem pop, and she does like weepy. Barbituate, barbituate ballads. Ba- yeah, exactly. And we love them. Yes, they're good. We love to gradually fall asleep with a cigarette in one hand and a thick martini in the other to her songs. I love to have a song that comes on me like a morphine drip. Yeah, Lana, don't, 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 don't be seduced. Don't, don't do it. Anyway, that's don't just a, work with jerk. Uh, that's just a little uh, uh, update from a previous subject. Um, go hopefully fu- a future PowerPoint. Go. F- Go uh, find him and yell at him. Some collabs are just a PowerPoint to be uh, to be uh, created. Uh, but we're not talking about Jack Antonoff today. We're talking about another uh, man from the other side of uh, the East the, River, the tri- yeah, the, the, the Hudson, sort of tri-state area. Yeah, um, yeah. You go over over the Hudson, and then you go across, over, Manhattan. across Manhattan, and then the East River. Yeah, you and then you might have to F go up train and go up into. Uh, 
You might uh, cross Randall's Island, Island yep. too. And then you uh, go down. Uh, and did you make a Queens? Yep. Um, and that's where that's our story where begins. Our story begins. Um, how do you feel about 50 Cent? Uh, 50 is in that category of people who was extremely not my type of music uh, when it was popular. Sure. Um, I, I was not a boy who was made for to club. Uh, and the celebration of the club, uh, uh, I found extremely alienating at the time. <laughs> but uh, now I have come to find a place in my heart for these uh, uh, club-ready uh, jams with a harder edge. I I wouldn't join any the club that would have me as the member. <laughs> Sorry, yes, exactly. Sorry. Um, yeah, Fifty Cent was cool amongst popular people at a time when I was decidedly not popular. But so know, I associated it with cool shit. But I thought I thought uh, in the club really, really banged. You know, it's more like a lot of the shit is uh, more that I didn't like their fans mm. than I didn't like him. Because especially in the the milieu I was growing up in, like the people who are big 50 Cent fans were like the richest, most obnoxious uh, really? preppy asshole. Oh, so they could actually like identify with having like lots of money, for example. Uh, it's like fucking Lacoste wearing prep school like boys. Mm, mm-hmm. Like those were the, that was the type who were like huge into Fifty Cent. You know what that reminds me of is um our our dear friend Eric Thurm, uh, who's a wonderful uh media venture media venture. I don't know what the fuck it's called. Drunk education. Yes. Uh, they had uh, their the Kanye West the conference, and there was a fantastic talk at it called "Do White People Deserve Kanye West?" And one of the panelists brought up the uh, witnessing white people dancing to "Good Life." Yes, by I think Kanye. You might have mentioned this on the show. Yeah, before. where people celebrating the excess that Kanye celebrating do not know how what it took to get there, and therefore can never appreciate it. Yeah, and so it's probably the same thing with. Your um your popped collar uh, colleagues yes uh, classmates yeah you know schools like work schools no <laughs> schools like a prison <laughs> we take the uh, I believe that's the facultist uh uh take on this uh on this podcast uh, nice that's good um yeah it's a, I I I've always kind of enjoyed fifties singles um I I don't think this is a very like for me, fruitful period of time for hip hop. Um, I don't think I connected with it on any kind of personal level at all. Um, I like stuff that came out a few years later much better. Uh, but I appreciate fifties. He's kind of like strong enough for a man, but made for a woman <laughs> yes. in a way. You know, there is a sensuality to his music uh, that you wouldn't find in what would his contemporaries be like. Oh, I don't know the Yin Yang Twins, which uh, is like a, where, where most of their songs are like an impending assault being described to you <laughs> and his songs like hey li- listen uh you know they might be raunchy but in candy shop it's like you hear you hear the guy and then you hear the girl they're both gonna lick up all over each other like a candy <laughs> shop there's an implied consensuality there that i think has a level of romance to it that maybe the other club friendly uh hip-hop jams of this era uh, did not have. There's an amazing line, and I think I think it's Candy Shop. It's either Candy Shop or Magic Stick, which is another fantastic, horny Fifty Cent song, where um, he says, "If you'll be an info, I'll be an info." Mm-hmm. And I thought I've always thought of that as kind of like a you know one of the sort of Dan Savage giving good in game type yes. of lines of like, "Hey, if you'll be an info, I'll be an info." But yeah. if you don't want to be, I will. I won't my, be either. My nymphoticism is uh, 
predicated on yours. <laughs> nymphoticism. Yes. Uh, nymph- nymphoticistic lifestyle is the mm-hmm. one that we should all be living. Leading. We we uh, stand a consensual king. We stand a consensual king. We do. We're going to see his attitudes toward women, at least uh, pre-2005, are like maybe left something to be desired. <laughs> um, but the horny songs themselves are are fantastic. Um, we It should be said that he wrote this book in 2005, which is a mere like uh, two and a half years after he became famous mm-hmm. um n- not the normal amount of time to perhaps develop an appropriate level of like gravitas or distance from your story in order to give it some heft but he- so if you are looking for the saga of the ownership of vitamin water in this story uh dear listener i'm afraid to report that you will not be hearing much of that entrepreneurial enterprise yeah it's not it's it, this is not like old uh 50 looking back at his life and with like a heck of a lot of perspective but that's okay who needs perspective when you have vitamin water no one needs perspective no when one you needs have perspective when you have vitamin water when i have an ice cool glass of vitamin water what's when's the last I have time it all. when's the last time you drank vitamin water i would guess 2010 i think it was 2008 for me. I think I mixed it yeah. with vodka. And it was the dragon fruit flavor. That was a good flavor. Which was like a super fruit before, you know, super food before people really uh, got into a were woke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is it? Achiai? Acai. 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 <laughs> Acai. I made a video about this for the internet. So Dragon I, fruit? No, acai. Acai. Yeah, there you go. Good job. Thank you. Um, should we talk about 50 Cent? Yes. He's, Tell me about him. He So he opens, not in media res, but with a, a sort of pie-in to getting richer, dying, trying. He says, get richer, die, trying. When I say that, everyone focuses on the negative aspects. Death, <laughs> well, desperation, it is, it is, depression. Very, well, wait. It's, yeah, it is pretty, pretty heavily predicated in the second part of that sentence. But you know what? Everybody from the guy who gets to gets up to punch a clock every day to the kids standing on the corner is trying to get rich before they die. If Confucius says it, it's wisdom. But when 50 Cent says it, he's being negative. Did Confucius ever advise people to get rich? Uh, I don't know. Yes. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I think he, he's feeling a little insecure about uh, what people think of his opinion. But he's, you know, he says yes. it's not it's. You got to focus on the getting rich, well, look, not I the dying. Wanna, I don't want to start too negative, but if you don't want people to to think that you uh, talk about negativity, let's maybe not mention dying trying in well, your signature saying. He, I mean, this is his life. His whole life is death stalks him at every turn in a way. Um, let's let's dig into it. He was born. His name is Curtis Jackson. Uh, July 6, nineteen seventy five, in South Jamaica, Queens. Um, he was raised at first by his mother. Uh, he says, "My mother was in a word hard." Uh, mom encouraged him to be uh, like a very tough kid. He says one day when a bigger kid um, kicked his ass over a game of marbles, uh, 50 cool. says he comes home and he says to his mother, if it's all the same to you, I'll be spending the rest of my fifth year in the house. Oh. Uh, and mom says, go back out there and fight him again. Oh, so 50 goes and um, sm- I think he like smashes his head with a rock and Ooh. he, uh, he wins. So that's well, a lesson yeah. he learned. I guess teaches him uh, tool learning. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> primitive technology um he his mom also sold drugs um which he was like kind of aware of kind of not aware of mm-hmm. um and so basically from the time he was a conscious human being he knew in his neighborhood and community some people were getting it mm-hmm. and some people weren't and if you were getting it you were selling drugs and you were making more money than you can make at the kind of you know 
shitty meaning menial job yeah, uh, offered to uh, black people because right. of white supremacy. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, we all we we know. Yes. The there are haves and have nots in his neighborhood, and the haves sell drugs. Um, his grandmother he moves in with his grandparents, and his grandparents do not sell drugs. Okay. However, his family there's a lot of drug sellers, drug users. Um, he doesn't Just permanent. It's a, a fully integrated part of this community. Yeah. Economy. That's just what he knows um, because that's how you can survive mm-hmm. and even thrive. Um, he doesn't really understand this at the time. He basically never sees his mom again after the age of like eight. Okay. And she, he, she was murdered. Um, oh God. Yeah. Which he finds out later. Um, but she was murdered by, is a like kind of a horrific situation. Like uh, was betrayed by a friend and her, uh, she was like left in the house with the gas on and the windows closed and was like drugged. And yeah. Wow. It's horrific. She's like assassinated. Yes. Yes. So this is like, this is fifties world. He doesn't really say anything much about it other than like, it's a thing that happened. It's a thing that happened. Um, so he lives with his grandparents. He also shares an anecdote from his childhood about his cousin poisoning his dog. Wow. He has a dog who's a Doberman named Dillinger. And when Dillinger <laughs> ate the Thanksgiving turkey, his cousin poisoned the dog. Wow. And he's uh, he, a lot of uh, <laughs> abrupt punishment in his childhood. It's dark. It's super dark. And he, his attitude toward that is basically just like, yeah, fuck my cousin. She sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I mean, that's what you would kind of have to say, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, he, well, it's not a lot of retaliation you can get back on, on dog poisoning. Yeah. She didn't have a dog that he could poison back. Um, he, he shares another story about his uncle getting, um, serious burns from picking up dry ice, uh, with his bare hands on a dare at a party. And he says, that's just the kind of crazy shit I grew up with. I thought that everyone's family sat around, got drunk and played practical jokes that caused second degree burns. Well, I mean, that is an entertaining way to spend Thanksgiving. Sure. Yeah. My Thanksgiving t- uh, tended to have less, uh, murder or severe burnings. Same besides the turkey who yes. was murdered and for our burned. pleasure and yeah, enjoyment that's true. and severe. Well, Definitely burned to a degree that humans could not stand. But it tastes so good. It does taste so good. Um, 50 says that hustlers were his role models. Um, And most of the like higher level drug distribution in his neighborhood is done by a man that he calls Godfather. Okay. Um, We'll get to this later. He, when he's 11 years years old, um, he's got aunts and uncles who use Coke. And what they do is send him, they'll give him like a bit of cash and send him to a dealer and he'll like pick up the drugs for them. Sure. And his friend whose name is sincere. He's like, good name. Good. Great name. Um, I will like, don't do that. Let me give you like a bunch of cocaine and you can just do it. Like you can do this transaction yourself, but it's like my cocaine. So that's how he starts selling drugs. Technically he starts as a runner. And then the guy who's he's picking up from just gives him a little more. And yes. then he starts moving it for him. Yes. Um, he then, <laughs> I should mention that like, I mean, he wrote this with a uh, another writer, and um, the tone sometimes switches drastically at, at points where the writer <laughs> wants to give you context. So he'll just start talking about like the war on drugs, even though like at the time I don't think he yeah maybe fully understood the the full historical significance. Maybe he did, but he was saying that um, there was an NYPD cop who was killed in 1988, like by uh, a, I think someone who was. I can't remember how it went down, but it was drug related. Um, and he said this kicked off the war, the kicked the war on drugs into high gear. But all it did was to help create a re- more resourceful, resilient breed of drug dealer. 
um, like 50 Cent. Yes. Uh, he says, so he basically, once he gets a taste of selling drugs and he's like, wow, having money to buy stuff is great. Yes. Much better than not having money. Much better than not having money. So um, he said he gets into not just selling crack, but cooking it um, because crack becomes a thing. Right. Sure. Uh, he says, with crack, I used to be bothered by the smell when I wasn't cooking it because it meant that someone was about to get money and that someone wasn't me. Uh, instead of the sweet smell of success, he loathed the, the stench of failure. The stench of, the stench the, of failure. The normal stench of failure. Yes. Um, he says uh, of, of being a hustler at such a young age, he says, you can learn everything you need to know to hustle in under a year. It's the same cycle over and over. You know, not to say anything about what you're doing and you know it's not cool to tell anybody. Right. Those are the only two rules. Yep. And the rest of it is just math. Um, he gets his first uh, wholesale kilo of Coke in junior high, and he starts supplying other um, sellers who are twice his age. Wow. So he is quite industrious from a very young age. Yeah. Precociously industrious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he, his godfather basically takes over the strip where 50 sells. And so 50 starts working for him directly because he has no other choice. Um, mm -hmm. He buys his first gun from a self-described black cowboy named old man, Dan <laughs> <laughs> rides, rides into the square in Jamaica Queens on a horse and opens his old wagon covered wagon behind him and starts, um, uh, you know, selling flintlocks out of it. Yeah. He opens his, um, his coat and it's full of, Full of guns. Yes. Um, I love I love wearing a gun coat. Uh yeah. So he he gets his first gun. Um, he uses it for the first time when he so he visits a young lady named Tracy. She lives in the projects in Far Rockaway, not local turf. Right. He goes to see her. He brings the gun. He dresses very nicely because he wants to impress Tracy. Sure. <laughs> he goes, he has a little moment with Tracy. He comes downstairs. Clearly, people were talking about him arriving. The lobby of the housing project starts to fill up with people being like, hey, like, what the fuck are you doing here? He sees everyone kind of closing in on him. He turns and runs and just starts firing behind him. Uh, sure. And hits someone. Um, it, he does not imply That's whether this person lives or dies, but he finds out from Tracy uh, who calls him and is like, there was a shooting in my building. And he's like, oh, wow, that Whoa, really? sucks. Who, wow, <laughs> who could have done that? He says it's not uh, the cleverest fleeing strategy. Yeah, no, I mean, but that's what happens when you're like 14 years old. <laughs> so. He says, I never went to see her again. No piece of pussy was worth getting jumped for. Uh, true. I agree. I agree. Um, this is, I mean, this is like, it's I like junior high shit. For yeah. Him. Yeah. Um, he says school basically just becomes a fashion show because he only goes when he wants to show off a new pair of clothing that he's purchased. Um, <laughs> well, you know, at least he still wants to be there. Yeah. Well, he, he says like, he doesn't, he, why would he learn math in like math class when he's doing applied math every day? Yeah, well, you know, selling, some, measuring things, some science. People, some people are hands-on learners. Uh, you know, some people uh, learn from reading. Some people learn from watching. Some people learn from doing. Some people learn from doing. Yep. Um, he's caught with crack at school, and he ends up in a court-mandated rehab house. 
so he doesn't go to jail because he's a minor. Yes. Um, he hates it there, but he he teaches him. <laughs> not, does not surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> court. I, w- I would be extremely surprised if you said he went to court mandated rehab house and it was awesome. <laughs> it was the best time of his life. He made so many friends. Um, he's <laughs> the memories lasted for for a lifetime. <laughs> um, they all said at the end of the summer, guys, we're going to meet back here in ten years. Yeah. They buried a time capsule in the yard mm-hmm. and said, we'll all come back and undig this together. Yeah. And then sell all the crack we put in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it appreciates with time yes. or it ages like wine <laughs> or both. It's a fine 08 vintage crack. Yeah. More like a, yeah, like a 90, like a 92 crack. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah. He hates, he hates the rehab house, um, but he, he says it teaches him to see crack fiends as more than customers. But I think he's being a little like facetious and a little like fake recovery uh, mm-hmm. narrative when he says this. It should also be said, he's not using drugs. Good. Don't get high off your own supply. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Um, I do have tremendous expe- respect for somebody who's a crack or Coke dealer and doesn't use. Because sure. You're like, Maybe not use, like not even try, you know, get in into it a, l- a little bit just because like you're seeing just just all day just people just loving the thing that you're giving them just all over you for it and just not be like, oh, look at how happy these people are. And I, I like, have so much of it. I, you have It's all around me all the time. And I think that is kind of a, a, a heroic level of self-control. Yes. I do. I'm guessing it really depends on like it, what, where you're at when you come into it because- he he saw his family having fun yeah. using cocaine. Yeah, like they were throwing around dry ice chunks like it was a football. <laughs> Sounds like a great time. There must have been like fog everywhere. <laughs> um, but he he also sees people who are literally at their worst. Yeah, he ca- I mean he true. calls them feet. He rarely calls them customers. He calls, calls them, them fiends. fiends. Yeah. Look, I'm, all I'm saying is that it's extremely easy for me not to do crack because. <laughs> I have I do not know where to obtain it. Yeah. Uh, but if it's all around me all the time, I probably wouldn't be long before I'd be like, yeah, just a little, just a just a smidge, just a taste. Well, I mean, if you if we had a time machine, you could go back in time and do you know just a little kill crack. Hitler, uh, discover America again, or you could go to a very specific strip in Southside Queens and you know where to find. Yeah, I guess. Well, maybe fifty. I don't think that he would sell to me. No, he definitely would not. He <laughs> yes. would be like, you are a fucking cop. Get, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. I was at the back of a bar uh, with another podcast producer hanging out the other day, and somebody came up to me and was like, yo, yo could, do you know anybody would care if we smoked weed out here? Uh, and for anybody who knows, I was hanging out with uh, producer Ben Hosley from uh, Blank Check, uh, who, who, if you listen to that show, is known to to, to be somebody who, who appears to be a fan of smoking weed. Okay, uh, and I would say that I also looked the same at the t- at the same time, and we were like, "No, sh- fuck, shit, go for it." <laughs> and they, this guy was like, uh, "Hey, you guys aren't cops, right?" And I was like, "I mean, we were both in like uh, ratty tees, like old thrift store uh, uh, Hawaiian shirts, yeah. and cut off jeans." I was like, "I don't know, do we look like cops?" And the guy was like, "Wow, no, man, you white." <laughs> I was like, fair. That's fair. That is fair. Also, I feel like maybe your style was suggested um, that uh, like inherent vice kind of look, but you don't know yeah. which side of the vice you're on. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, or uh, Miami vice, maybe. Yeah. Inherent Miami vice. Inherent Miami vice. <laughs> um, yeah. So he, where are we? Um, he's working with Godfather. 
his operation has expanded to include these two enforcers named Butter and Grits. Oh, that's so good. They actually have matching names. Yes. They are Butter and Grits. They are murderers on the run from North Carolina. Oh, Jesus. They, uh, it sounds like they committed a semi-massacre. Now, did he name them together as like Butter Grits? I I don't know whether they came fully formed or if Godfather was like you are from the South and, and they that, like and those things I there. Will, yes, there. Thus, you are butter and grits. Yes. Um, Fifty said these guys were just loose. That's the way he <laughs> referred to them. Like loose meaning yeah, like, like they'll they just real, kill anybody. Oh, I was I was thinking they were like real chill guys. They. Well, <laughs> I don't know if they were like maybe they were chill, but they were also they were chill about murdering people. They didn't have any qualms. Yes. Um, like they, I, I forget the, the details of it, but they they shot a bunch of people in North Carolina. So they were literally on the run uh, and came up to New York and were like, what What else do we have who, to who live for? needs gun boys? They're really good gun boys. Um, 50, com- he complains about a guy named Phil who owed him money. Butter and Grits literally go out and shoot him in the head. Oh, God. Like... You don't get your money that way. Think about, I mean, I'm I'm a, a wonderful person. I never complain about anybody um, ever. I don't really say anything bad about anyone ever. But if I would, you know, when you casually are just like, oh, man, fuck that guy. Like, he's being so annoying lately. Like, oh, I just I could just kill him. Butter and Grits would go. And just, and just kill him. But then you don't get the money back if he's dead. That's not good. That's business. something you have to to weigh. Um, well, I, I mean, well, reputation. Well, then I guess the idea is that then the next that Phil two does pay you. Everyone else will pay you, lest they end up like Phil one. Yes. Um, don't be Phil one. He got all buttered and gritted up. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. But I mean, re- re- your reputation and the way you like deal with things is everything yes. in this world. Um, so fifty was constantly like. He he also started boxing at this time. Um, is this the beginning of his saga to become ripped? Uh, yes. Oh, for sure. Because he he kept referring to himself as like chubby or like uh like has like big cheeks or something. Mm-hmm. So I think he was like a little tubby, and then he really whittled himself down. Yeah. Uh, but he basically started boxing so that when like fights started on the street, he just would get into them, and he wouldn't care about like he, the size of the other person. Like he was good. He sounds like he was good at boxing. Yeah. Um, but I eventually, people would leave him alone. Technical fighting skill goes a long way. Yeah, he like he said people would like basically just leave him alone after a while because they knew that he would be able to like crush them. Go fifty. Uh, he's still like fifteen. Yeah. Um, he said uh, after seeing what Butter and Grits have been doing, he said he started questioning my own heart to see if I had it in me to hit someone as easily and grits as Grits and Butter did. The price of life was getting cheaper and cheaper. Shooting someone now was nothing new to me. So. He's come a long way. Dark. Uh, he says, when it starts to rain, it really pours on my fucking ass. <laughs> this is what he says when his house gets raided uh, and the cops find 280 grams of crack, four ounces of heroin, and more than $15,000 in cash, of which only 695 made it to the evidence booth oh, uh, or the evidence docket. Uh, he So he got busted majorly. Um, but he said he was just happy that they didn't find the guns in his house. Uh, he was put into shock which is like a scared straight camp for guys so that they don't go to jail. Have you heard of this? I have not heard of shock specifically, but even as a minor, it's kind of amazing that he goes to not jail for that much uh, uh, illicit material. Yeah. Well, I think it's still because he's 
I don't think he's 18 yet. Mm -hmm. So I think if he was 18, he would be in jail in absolutely in jail. And the way he talks about jail is like, it's like going to college. Like people just like, they do their business for a while. And then like someone gets caught doing something and you got to go to jail and you're back in like four years, Mm -hmm. like college, Yeah, but jail, but jail. Um, he goes to shock. So it's like upstate and it's basically a way like you could go if you were like, fuck this, I don't want to go to shock. They would send you to jail, but you could complete shock and then you wouldn't have to go to jail. You would probably just end up on probation. He's but it's like boot camp. Um, he says at one point his drill sergeant makes him carry a large log around wherever he goes. OK, he's just like a log boy. Yeah. I mean, that seems like that seems like a good workout. Yeah. But a little like. Um, splintery yes uh he says when he comes out i'd become a stronger meaner and more focused criminal yep that's that's how it works there's uh there's not a lot of focus on um uh restorative justice yes restorative justice that's the right word um so he gets out of jail and he's like fuck this i'm not doing you know i'm taking the strip so he Mm -hmm. remember when godfather did it he's like i'm going to do that um so he controls his area of selling and he makes a bunch of money back he buys a truck he gets congrats he puts um (laughs) he gets a bike rack and puts two mountain bikes on the truck great just for fun yeah well now he has fighters he can deploy (laughs) in case he gets into a scrape i just in like a classic uh uh you know uh, a fast and the furious type way you know you somebody's chasing you in your truck and you send your two goons you send butters and grits yeah. To get on the bikes and then they ramp off they the back of the truck. Yeah. 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 It's just funny because he also rides motorcycles and like, I just think it's funny that he gets mountain bikes. Maybe it's the time upstate. He's like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's nice. Um, We're going to go out to the dunes this week after a hard week of, of cocaine dealing. Of cocaine dealing. I should, we're like more than halfway through the book and he has not wrapped a single word or even mentioned liking music. Yes. <laughs> that's what I was going to, one of the things I was most curious about this is that I knew that his his childhood was like very uh, gritty childhood experiences. Yeah. And then question mark, step two, question mark, question mark, question mark, step three, lucrative rap career. Yeah. I don't know. That mix in his music of like hard gangster shit and like club romance. I'm just not sure where the second part comes from. That 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 doesn't seem in his experiences at all. Yeah. Um. It. it I mean, get Richard died trying it's basically like those are the those are his themes right the ver- those are the variations on the theme there's there's nothing in there about like i talked about this before of where you just come in hot out the gate and you're rapping about how you're already rich and you're already famous right. and you're already very good at rapping and everyone loves you for those things yeah when that you actually don't have any evidence of that yeah when your first song is about how great uh, and beloved a rapper you are yeah <laughs> i guess that's his thing it's kind of like it's kind of like when trump was like you know he became mm-hmm. president he was just like i'm a great president well, i'm a gr- an amazing politician me. yeah yeah it's almost as if there well, should be like an election for rappers like <laughs> i have won yeah and now i am the best most popular rapper mm-hmm. or maybe <laughs> yeah maybe more just like a a, a public vetting program a series of a uh, lincoln lincoln douglas style rap debates uh, before a public forum. Yeah. 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 A little bleeding Kansas action. Actually, from all the now generations of music shows, music competition shows, isn't it kind of amazing that there hasn't been a, like a, America's Next Top MC? It is. Or that the, that for that being such a 
prevalent skill technique form yeah. of popular music. And of Arguably, course, easy to bet like battling yes. is an inherent form of rapping. I can't think of any kind of like popular competition show other than like something that's been on like VH1 for one season at like, you know, Thursdays yeah. at midnight or something. I think the reason this might be is that authenticity is still very currency and you'd have zero authenticity if you just be an an, an entertainment product. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Yeah. You'd still think that a company would would reward some level of skill. No matter what you did about it, it would be fucking corny. And that's the one thing that you cannot, you can't be corny. Do not be corny. Corny 50 is, is allergic to corny. Um, <laughs> I would say uh, getting arrested at 15 for uh, having hundreds of grams of drugs in your apartment is decidedly uncorny. Not corny. It's a lot of things, but it's not corny. Yeah. Um, 50, uh, at this time when he's kind of making his like comeback, he has an issue where he is targeted. His, his, his comeback at 17, where, yeah. he's like, where he's like, you know, I've been away for a minute. But here I am, ripe, ripe old age of 17. I'm, I'm ready for the, well, the phase other, two. The other thing I'll say about his his ascent is that, you know, we just talked about Britney Spears and all uh, lots of other young performers mm-hmm. who are exploited and, you know, are worked to the bone, basically have to work every day, many mm-hmm. hours a day doing strenuous things. But like 50 was self-powered. Yeah. He might be, you know, there's been plenty of talk about the self-made person. Oh, yeah. But he, in some ways, is perhaps the closest thing we have to a self-made millionaire yeah i mean say what you will about uh drug dealers uh they are hard workers <laughs> for the most part well and just like you know an independent operator also yeah. i don't know i mean it, he, ne- he never a, complained about if, being if there tired. was a true archetypal ar- american entrepreneur of the latter uh, quarter of the 20th century uh the drug bear kingpin might be it yeah yeah I mean, there's a reason they keep making movies about it. There's a reason motherfuckers love Scarface. Yeah. Motherfuckers love Scarface. Motherfuckers be loving Scarface. This ain't a scene. It's a goddamn Scarface. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, he. Oh, there's an issue where the cops mistake. 50's riding down the you know Queens Boulevard or whatever on a motorcycle. And the cops mistake him for a double homicide suspect and start chasing him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know what why they want him. Yes. But he just, once he sees the cops are chasing him, he just books it, and he leads them on a 100-mile-per-hour motorcycle chase in Hell Queens, yeah. which ends at his grandparents' house, which he still kind of occupies sometimes. He locks himself in his room. His grandfather, when the cops come in, they're like, Curtis Jackson's in there, or, you know, whoever they think is in there. Yeah. And the guy's like, you are not coming in my house without a warrant. Like, go, go die. Uh, 50 puts on his grandmother's sundress and wig and sneaks out the back of the house and gets away. Amazing. Um, so that's wild. I didn't, I haven't seen his movie where he's playing himself. Get rich or die himself. Ryan. Yeah. Do you think that scene is, uh, I hope it is. Um, let me, let me see if I can find that real quick. And it'd be even better if the, uh, motorcycle went on water, like in that Vin Diesel movie. <laughs> Uh, Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one. I don't think it's there. Um, big mistake. Yes, huge. That is a scene of inherent drama and comedy. Yeah, he. So he he manages to avoid the cops for a, a murder that he did not do. Um, he runs into his old friend Sincere, the guy who got him to the drug 
game in the first place. Yes. Um, Sincere tells him that he's being targeted. Sincere is not 50. Being targeted by the feds for a drug investigation. He's been reduced to sleeping in his truck with a bag of $700,000 in cash in it. And he's just waiting, trying to... He's trying. He's like, I'm going to get into real estate. That's where the real stable investment is. I just need to be able to like buy a couple of houses and then flip them and keep going. And until then, I'm just sleeping in my car, hoping I don't get arrested. And so he's sleeping in his car, waiting until he can get in on the mortgage crisis. Exactly. Um, that's when Fifty realizes he said the drug game wasn't stable. <laughs> no shit, this Fifty. Isn't a, this isn't a long term process. This is not. But a fucking good on him for picking picking that up at that point because I mean, again. I, I'm not capable of making the same decisions as drug dealers are, but it seems to me that the whole point of that thing would be getting your $700,000 bag of cash and then skipping town yes. and going and starting a fucking, I don't know, like candy shop in Boston or yeah, something. Yeah, or putting it into like a money market account or like yes. a CD or something. Yes. Maybe something a little more liquid, though. Yeah. Yeah. You need a little a little bit of flow. Uh, speaking, speaking of buying a candy shop, his one of his other um, dealer uh, associates was like, all right, I'm getting out of the game. I've got a big hunk of change and I'm opening, he opened like a sort of a hamburger franchise. Hell yeah. Um, which I mean, immediately tanked because the only thing harder than dealing drugs in New York is having a, a, restaurant. <laughs> a restaurant. Oh, that would suck so much of uh, spending so much time. Well, I guess, look, the difference between selling drugs and selling hamburgers is that hamburgers are only so addictive. Yeah. They're addicted totally to a certain addictive. point. Um, but you don't, well, not the way I make them, but they're totally addictive. <laughs> you guys should definitely have a, a Chris Wade signature crack burger. Yeah. And what's the secret? Just a little bit of crack. Yeah. Uh, 50 says that the first album, we're gonna, finally in this music podcast, we're going to talk about music. How long have we been going? Uh, 40 minutes or yeah. so. All right. Let's talk about music a little bit. <laughs> um, he listens to the album Ready to Die. Uh, and that is the album that makes him uh, pay attention to hip hop. He says, that's when I first started thinking about making money from entertainment. <laughs> so he doesn't have a passion for music. Music does not keep him up at night. He did not, he barely mentioned, you know, listening to music as a kid. Um, but Ready to Die shows him a clear business model. You can sell drugs for a certain amount of time and, and then, then you make, can make songs music. about selling drugs. Mm hmm. This is my right. favorite uh, track off Ready to Die, uh, which is Warning, which is the song where Biggie uh, narrates about getting a beeper message about assassins coming to kill him and how he evades them. I hate when I get paged and someone is trying to murder me. Yes. Very relatable content. Also cribbed by Kanye in, um, oh, fuck, what's the get him high when he says who the hell is this emailing me at 1146 um, when he's talking about being on the social network black planet <laughs> so that's what that's how Kanye evolves this particular this trope, trope. yeah yeah um, yeah that's so and, and he tells the girl you know the girls you know they're chatting and he's like I'm I'm friends with Talib Kweli and the girl's like really <laughs> that's, the, that's the plot of that song um I mean, I can see how obviously listening to this album would be like crazy. No, I mean, that's great. And also like, I think very telling of listening to this album and receiving a business plan, not an artistic inspiration. Yeah. He's, he's, well, they could be one and the same, but you know. He has a very clear eyed vision of how to make money. Yeah. Um, and of course it has nothing to do with, you know, 
getting a higher education or trying to get a legitimate job because what does white America have to offer him? Nothing. Nothing. So um, he somehow meets, he meets Jam Master Jay uh, at, at a, I think at a club um, or so out one night. So he does go to clubs. He does go. To, yeah. He's socializing. Um, a lot of the club activity is marked by violence. Um, usually sure. when he's talking about going to a club, it's like, it's about how to, it's a place to go and sell drugs, sell drugs and, and resolve businesses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with your, with your fellow, with your business associates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like the boardroom. Um, so he meets Jim Master Jay and he tells Jim Master Jay, like, I want to be a rapper. And Jim Master Jay must have seen something in him. Um, he signs him to a production deal, not a record deal, like a production deal. And he literally teaches him how to rap. Uh huh. Like he brings him into the studio and 50 does basically like an impersonation of a rapper. Mm-hmm. And Jim Master Jay is like, let's workshop this. Yes. And that's how he learns to rap. He does. He does the whiplash thing. Where he uh, he screams again, again, again. He slaps him in the face every Spice, time he's yes. rushing or or dragging, dragging. Yes, yeah. He, he com- quits selling drugs. He comes up behind him like ghost, and but instead of moving his hands, he moves his jaw <laughs> <Yeah>. very, very <laughs> rapidly. <laughs> um, he he stops selling drugs. Should we listen to a little Jam Master Jay? Yeah, let's listen to Jam Master Jay. Because at this time he's a very he's an, a very influential person, especially New York person. This is a. Jay leading in to a uh, September 25th Run DMC show at the Capitol Theater. Okay, here we go to get started. Please welcome Jam Master Jay. It's the whitest man I've ever seen introing this show. Pretty simple now, but it is still very uh, impressive to watch people actually manipulate two turntables. But like he this. also has an impeccable sense of timing. Yeah, like rock solid, yes. like that of a drummer. Yes. Um, this weekend I he was. He also at looks a, fucking badass. Yeah. In uh, his uh, wearing a hat. Yeah, he is wearing a hat. Uh, it's a nice little fedora. Mm. It, the, perhaps the only cool, cool looking fedora person I've seen wearing a fedora in several. Decades, uh, decades. Yeah. Uh, nice leather, uh, like hip length leather jacket, well yeah. tailored, all black. Good look. Good look. Um, I was at a bachelorette party this weekend, and one of our activities was um, uh, being entertained by a DJ chef. Uh, this was a man who cooked while he DJed, and hearing what the DJ chef's sense of timing in comparison to yeah, our what, friend Jam Master Jay's. It, it's a, it was a business. Yeah, what was he doing? Just like crossfades or some bullshit? It was. I don't even know what. I don't know what it was. Um, Don't call yourself a DJ unless you manipulate a vinyl. (laughs) 
He was too busy manipulating quesadillas. <laughs> you cannot yeah, truly the the vinyl record of the foods. <laughs> it is. It's true. Uh, it's a classic. Um, yet yeah, refined. Uh, he so he works with Jam Master J. He has a production deal. Um, he meets a Columbia executive at a barber shop and managed to talk this guy into signing him to the like sub-label Trackmasters. But he basically gets like, they don't know what to do with him. He's lost in the shuffle. It's a like, weird transitional time, I guess, for the music industry in general. Has he adopted the name 50 Cent yet? He picked the name 50 Cent. 50 Cent is um, the name of an actual like Brooklyn uh, hustler slash gangster who used to rob rappers. Oh, hell yeah. So he was like, and 50 Cent, knew that that was going to be so uh, low key that no one was going to know that that's what he was referring to. Oh, that's funny. But that's why he's called. It's a reference for the real eighties Brooklyn Queens drug dealers heads. Yeah. And I, I like that he's not identifying with a rapper. He's identifying with someone who steals from them. Yes. Um, Which is effectively what he's trying to do. here. What he's trying to do. Yes. Um, he, uh, when he's kind of like, not getting any attention from his label, he records a song called How to Rob, um, basically under the impression that, correct impression, that by calling out name after name of prominent hip-hop people, he'll get their attention and they'll respond to him with like diss tracks of their own. He was right. Um, so let's listen to How to Rob. It's great. It's a Yeah, this is great. It's essentially like it's a novelty song, but it many of the rappers that he mentioned actually uh respond to him in their uh future tracks, including Jay Z. Uh, back when the when Jay Z was still like uh uh felt that his reputation needed to be defended. Well, yeah, it's J- Jay's line is like um, he say he's like I'm I'm about a dollar. Who the fuck is Fifty Cent? <laughs> That's and, also and a good joke. Fifty Cent said, uh, "Say whatever you want, motherfucker. Just say my name. That's all I need." It's clever. It's, it's fucking clever. I'm an amazing he's marketing a great, plan. He's a great businessman. In the in the tradition of uh other introdu- hand introducing subjects like Guns and Roses. Yeah. Using strippers to hand out flyers and create mailing lists. Yeah, the, the first thing you got to do is to create hype. 50 Cent should have like a business podcast. That might be his latest, should be his latest iteration. I bet that that would be extremely popular. Like a, like a Gary Vaynerchuk, but like yeah. less less obnoxious. Yeah. Um, he... Well, like become like the street Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be amazing. Uh, people would love that. Way better than regular Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> Extremely better that than Malcolm Gladwell. That guy sucks. Um, yes. 
Yeah, so... What you need to succeed is first 10,000 hours of dealing crack. Also, um... Like, I, I mean, I say that in jest, but if you can survive 10,000 hours of dealing drugs yeah. in 80s, uh, in 80s queens, then you can probably succeed at most things. Yes. Uh, How to Rob was released in 1999. Uh, I just like that he started out with R.I.P. B.I.G. R.I.P. P.A.C. Okay, enough of that. Like, let's get it. Like, yeah. I feel, did everyone who released a rap song after like between 1996 and 2000 have to be like, First of all, we First, must pay our respects to like, the two most important yeah, rappers like who died. When uh, it's like in fucking Game of Thrones when you address uh, what's her name, Daenerys. Daenerys. You have to say all the bullshit in front of her name. Yeah, Tupac Shakur. First, First of his name. Yes, yes. <laughs> California. Please, uh, please approach the throne. Always, yes. The rough Riders, ride or die. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> get on with the song. But I love, I love that shit because it, it like, you know. A really great songs are timeless and really great hip hop songs are no exception. And, you know, you, you it puts you into a mood that often has something to do more about yourself and where you were when you heard them and when mm-hmm. they were, when they were recorded mm-hmm. and your own associations to them. But all that, that stuff in front of songs always, no matter what, unsticks the ti- the song from whatever your association is. And it was yes. like, yes, this song was recorded in 1997 among, uh, as a New York hip hop guy, they have, they like literally have to say Biggie. That's like fucking, um, and so it is as it is know, also on to you. Yes. That's like fucking, <laughs> uh, live your life, uh, by TI off paper trails, which is, uh, I think a truly incredible song, uh, that nonetheless, every time you play it goes out to all the soldiers out there in Iraq and it forever will. And that like pins that song so hard in like 2006 or seven when it, co- it comes out. Yeah. That like no matter how good that and timeless uh, the songs and raps in that song are always goes out to the, all the soldiers out there in Iraq. Yeah. Well, I I think there's still some there. So I guess it's true. That's I mean, you're, you know, you're right. Maybe that is the perfect dedication for the forever war. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just uh, you just have to dedicate all your songs to like the war on terror yeah. and like everyone fighting it. And then you're good for like probably the next 50 yeah, years, 50 to a hundred years. Yeah. yeah. Imagine if like Mozart was like <laughs> that before the sheet music to yeah. like the moonlight sonata or is that Beethoven? I'm going to fuck up my uh, classical, whatever. Know. It's like, it's to like, all the soldiers in the French revolution <laughs> fighting yes. what they believe in. <laughs> uh, sp- spoken this spoken in brackets. This goes out to all my Jacobins out there. <laughs> It's good. Um, yeah, he so Had Rob is a it's a it's an intention getter. He's a good marketer, and clearly, like you know, he's been he's a he's a salesman. Yes, he's been selling stuff since he was eleven. Although I would say that uh, the of the business acumen needed for selling drugs, salesmanship is maybe not the hardest one because uh, the product really moves it sells itself. It sells itself, but I think you do need to at least you know it seems like business relations are so complicated with you're you're working with a a, a pyramid. Oh no, management skills management, certainly yeah. are, are very are very uh, uh, key. Yeah, so he's I think he's good at good at talking to people. Um, he I should also say that he he's has had a child at this point with a a girl um, that he met at a bus stop. Um, it doesn't. <laughs> Not, he doesn't have very many nice things to say about this woman other than she's beautiful, but she's very angry at him when he quits selling <laughs> drugs because it means that he doesn't have, have any money. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> like, He's like, I'm trying to get out. He's like, no, you don't. 
Yeah. This she got one good paragraph where he's like this very beautiful woman at the bus stop and then after that it's just like she's always on my case for not having any money and who's going to raise our son and all I want to do is you know I I was rapping all day like in front of a boombox in my like living room and she thought that wasn't productive. <laughs> I mean women am I right? <laughs> I mean, in her defense, it, it, unless you turn out to be 50 Cent, it would look unproductive. It would look, un- yeah, I could see, you know, that's where y- you have to be the, the ride or die woman. It's true. By your man. Did she, she didn't, her big problem was she didn't believe in him. Should have, should have believed harder in 50. I mean, it's not, you wouldn't say it for every guy who spends all his time rapping in front of a boombox in his living room, but this one turned out to be 50 Cent, so she <laughs> fucked up. How are we on time? We're at fifty-four. Okay, I'll sh- I'll talk about Jaw Rule for a second. Then. <laughs> I almost well, I put this in like I don't know if I was gonna have to spend time talking about Jaw Rule, but at the time of this writing, it appears that a few the feud with Jaw Rule, the blood feud, the Albanian blood feud with Jaw Rule was still f- piping hot. Jaw Rule could not get over How to Rob. He well, I don't even I don't know if he was mentioned in How to Rob, which That's is almost worse than over, being yeah. mentioned. So he says he explains the beef because he's like everyone's been talking. I need to set the record straight. He he started the beef with Jaw and his people when Fifty Cent robbed Jaw Rule. <laughs> like took literally his chain. Robbed. Okay, great. They got there was some sort of scuffle in the club and. Uh, he pop, he popped off for this Jaws era, chain for this era of the uh, of the story. Should I just take the uh, the phrase into club as a given as uh, at the end of each sentence? Yes, interior to club nighttime. The, yes, yeah. Uh, and so I was conducting a business meeting into club into club. Uh, he so he his friend Rob Ja Rule Ja Rule started going around saying Fifty Cent can't rap. Um, I don't know where he. I think Ja Rule might be in a similar place in his career. I think he was. Cut bubbling up in the mm-hmm. late nineties, yeah, yeah. N- fully nascent in the early two thousands, um, peaked and started declining to fire festival levels. Yes. Um, by our time now, so Ja Rule is flapping his gum, saying Fifty can't rap. Fifty saw him in the club and acknowledged him. Sort of gave a, a what's up, how you doing to Jaw? Finger guns. Jaw did not respond. Mm, this is not okay. This no. is disrespectful. Um, there. He's, you must show respect. There are other anecdotes in this book about what happens when you don't acknowledge someone on the street. It's not good. Yeah, at least give him a little nod. Yeah, he didn't do that. Um, and then there was a conversation which turned into an altercation outside the club. Outside the club. Um, Out the club. Where 50 was basically saying that Ja Rule was like talking very, very loudly, not nicely about 50. And he was basically asking for it. Like he was asking to be punched in the face. And so 50 punched him in the face. So uh, he bowed deeply and said, sir, I will oblige the punch you so <laughs> you so obviously seek. I see you are requesting a face punch and mm-hmm. I will be so kind as to give it Mister, to you. Mr. Someone here seems to be cruising for bruising. <laughs> That's someone's name. Is Ja Rule. Is Mr. 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 Rule. Rule. What's, I just want to look up Ja Rule's real name. I really like the name Ja Rule. It's a good name. His Twitter name is Rule York. His name, see, I just think it's funny because his, his name is Jeffrey, Jeffrey Bruce Atkins. Bad name. Ja fighting with Curtis better. Jackson. But Ja Rule fighting with 50 Cent is way more glam. Um, he, 50 said, said, I was in the street too long to let that type of disrespect slide. You can't be disrespected. He's living You're just lucky street. he doesn't hang out with fucking butter and grits anymore. Yeah, butter and grits would have ended Ja without yeah. even, you know, breaking a sweat. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
so he that's that's where the Ja Rule beef comes from. Um, apparent, and I guess Ja might have gotten his chain stolen again <laughs> in that altercation. Ja, get a better clasp on your chain. <laughs> Um, so 50 is still pursuing music, but he, he's tired of being broke. And he's like, if you don't look successful, people aren't going to treat you as successful. And I'm looking, I'm out here looking like a broke person and I need to make some money. So he starts selling crack again, getting involved with the same general kind of folks that he was before. But here's where shit gets vague. He gets, so this is the the time where he gets shot in his car. Okay. So he basically recounts it as like he's with his, an associate and he's going to pick up some stuff at his house and his associate is like, you should go in and get another chain. Like you should change chains. Like I want to wear your chain and you should wear a different chain. So okay. he goes in and gets, it's, very, it's so, all very chain based. Um, Comes in. This system, this economy runs on respect and chains. Respect and chains. Come, comes back out, gets in his car, does not notice that someone has pulled up behind him, and then he, uh, at very close range, is shot at and into nine times. Uh, and he says, so this is all like, who's doing it? Why is doing it? It doesn't really say. He's, he says, after I got shot nine times at close range and didn't die, I started to think that I must have a purpose in life. <laughs> sure. Um, yes. Okay. Got to crack open another vitamin water before we get uh, into this. So he doesn't elaborate on that story at all. It's very vague. He said he basically says um, he says he blames me not cooperating with the n words in the streets. What not cooperating uh, cooperating means he doesn't really say, but he he hints at vague disagreements based on se- the drug selling, not music. Well, then I'll take the way that you phrase that as a segue into my thing, because one of the reasons that we were interested in doing 50 is reading a very interesting story. And I'm uh, bracketing all of this with an allegedly around it. Yes. Uh, about the reason for this altercation. Yes. Which as we read it came off, not from the drug stuff, which seems the obvious right. scapegoat for uh, being shot nine times. Right. But rather the music stuff, and specifically his uh, willingness to antagonize people through his music. Yes. And not through other musicians, but by calling out and referencing a notorious drug lord Yes, in Queens. Yes. And the way that the story we read to it is that 50 had called out this drug lord. Kenneth Supreme McGriff. Supreme McGriff. Yeah. In uh, the McGriff, I believe he has like a brother. It's like a McGriff group. Yeah. Um. That he had mentioned them in his songs, and Supreme, who was big enough of a deal to also be involved in the New York music scene, yes, blacklisted Fifty, yes, and said you people cannot work with him in New York, yes, um, because he because he, he called snitched, out, yeah he snitched kind he of. called out uh, their organization and them by name, but through his work with Jam Master Jay, Jam Master Jay persisted in helping Fifty get work, yes. Which was the thing that, not the drug dealing, but this thing, was allegedly the reason that 50 almost got killed or was attempted to be killed. Yes. And, perhaps even more importantly, why Jay actually got killed. Got murdered in his recording studio. Not long after this. Yes. Um, yes. So this is the, this has been, this theory has been advanced in like 
the New York Daily News or like the Post or something, mm-hmm. um, and like blogs, blogs. <laughs> um, that yeah, he uh, he talked about Kenneth McGriff, who might be Godfather. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like he talks about Godfather a lot, and there's but with no, no real name, but with no actual name, uh, and specifically in a song called Ghetto Quran, um, which maybe we can pull that up. Yes. So yeah, he he talks about it brazenly enough that McGriff gets pissed, allegedly puts a hit out on Fifty, and then same to Jam Master J. I love his sung choruses. I know. I also like the vague like sleigh bell effect. Like a little glockenspiel. Nice. Track is lifted from a uh, Bruce Springsteen song. Yo, when you hear talk of the South Side, you hear talk of the team. She niggas fair prints and respected prints. Respected prints, supreme. Supreme was the businessman and Prince was the killer. Remember? He used to push the bulletproof BM, uh huh. Say, get your seasick. I sat back and peeped shit. The road was easy wider than. They didn't get blunted. Had the whole projects working for 50 or 500 as a youth. All I ever did was sell crack. I used to idolize cat. Hurt me to my heart to hear that nigga snitched on Pat. How you go out Ooh, yeah, yeah. This is all fucking just Southside drug dealing gossip. gossip. Yeah. Oh, 50 Cent is a messy bitch who loves gossip. Yeah, he is. It's a little, I mean, I guess he was basically living by the sort of like hustler's honor code for years and years and years, but... When you need song material, yeah. where is that going to come from? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You, I guess you could say that the calling out all the um, all, all the other rappers is like shrewd marketing. Yes. Uh, but this perhaps turned out to not be the, the shrewdest material, although I guess it does uh, create compelling lyrical uh, uh, material in it. Yeah. But anyway, so that is the story that we read that initially got us interested in 50 cents uh, biography. Um, And I guess it is interesting that that is a totally glossed over for the favor of the very diplomatic phrase street disagreements or or whatever he he said there. Yeah. And I was hoping that in this, this memoir there would be something that would be maybe a more compelling different uh, explanation or some kind of thing that would be a tension with this story. But uh, uh, perhaps he is attempting to to uh, uh, dodge these bullets in the narrative, as he as didn't. he could not dodge because he was strapped into a <laughs> the yeah. passenger seat of his car. So he was shot nine times. He was shot nine times, and he sa- he he says a bit later on. He says uh, some guys paid good money to have me killed, and not only did I have the nerve to live, but they had to hear my voice every time they stepped out of their house. This is after he gets successful. Uh, so there's, that's fucking dope. I mean, there's. <laughs> Uh, but see, that's the thing. It's like people out there who want him dead. If he's fucking broke again and just trying to sell crack to get by. That's not the t- the level of thing to me. That it uh, look again. I don't know how fucking drug dealing works, <laughs> but that doesn't seem like like subsistence crack selling doesn't yeah. seem the kind of thing that he, by his own admittance, yeah, says you would pay good money to kill somebody over. Well, yeah. We'll never, we might never know no. unless he writes another memoir once all these people are yeah, dead or 50, solidly 50 in prison. Second memoir, if he did it. If he did it. Uh, McGriff is in prison right now 
because he was convicted for of murder for hire because he <laughs> paid to have two rivals gunned down in 2001. So if this is the case, if this is true, very um, trigger happy. Young yeah, you know, the, the modus uh, operandi checks out. Yeah. Yes. Uh, let's see. He recovers slowly, but surely from the shooting. Um, he signs a publishing deal in the hospital which gives him a $125,000 advance. Um, the label still doesn't quite know what to do with him. So, so he it's basically, like he gets shot and then some suit from the record company comes up and it was like, now Mr. Sent, but when you were rapping a little before, we didn't know what to make of you, but it appears now that you're the real deal. You mean business, sir, and we like that. We like your Here's gumption. Here's 17000 for each bullet that you got inside you, and I hope to hear each one of those bullets Back in the track. But don't get shot again because we'll lose all the money we've invested in you, kid. Yes. And that's not okay. Unless you plan on getting survi- uh, surviving getting shot. Then a few more. What could it hurt? Yeah. We're seeing you as the most shot at rapper in the Billboard Top 200. <laughs> I mean, that's it's probably closer to the yeah. truth than you'd realize, maybe. Um, he So, yeah, he's kind of still lost in this label shuffle, and he decides to... Basically, he's he says he he markets his music the way he used to market his crack, um, which is it's crack. It gets you real high. It's well, great. He he says, well, he you know he shared a little like details about the way he would like package things and like deal like you know sales sort of like mm-hmm. putting things put, on like sale. little labels. Little what were we talking about here? Yeah, a little, like, a little fortune inside the crack bags or something. <laughs> And every fortune says, you are now real high. You are now super high. Um, he he says he like pays very careful attention to his mixtape cover art. He sure. uh, makes connections with radio DJs across the country. He gives them like customized freestyles sure. on other people's beats. So he's really, he's working, he's working the crowd real hard. Um, and he's just like, people are listening to his free mixtapes several years before basically that's the way people consume music now yeah i um, mean that is a that is a very uh prescient way to, to be doing this yes um he's also inspired <laughs> you're gonna love this he's inspired to create his own crew g unit yes. um after seeing gorillas get big the band gorillas the band gorillas so g unit is named directly after gorillas i don't know if it's named after gorillas but he sees a cool squad of cartoons and he's like i want that but But in real real life so that's lloyd banks and um tony yayo tony yayo i think so um he's recently broken with these people uh or maybe not so recently at this point but um i don't think they're on good terms anymore i can't help but think of lloyd blank fine whenever i hear lloyd banks name wait what's who's lloyd blank he's the ceo of goldman sachs (laughs) (laughs) okay maybe the two most opposite people with the most similar names yeah I, I like that. I, I think you should start calling him Lloyd Banks because he's kind of like a that's yeah. just, that's a, that's a shorthand for what he does. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Banks. Yeah. Mr. Banks. Lloyd <laughs> Blank Bank Fine. Lloyd Banks. Part of the G the mm-hmm. uh, the G unit. Uh, yeah. Gorillas inspires him to start a, a crew. Oh, and he's so at this point he's. He's getting radio play, but he's not selling albums because there is no album. Yes. Um. So he's getting like he's getting hot. He can't. Even, he says he can't even play live shows because he's paranoid about um, getting shot. Getting again. shot. Uh. Like he can't really like do that. Uh. He he also he's taking meetings with 
more labels because there's more interest in him now. He wears a bulletproof vest to every label meeting. And he says this makes people very uncomfortable. I bet it does. <laughs> but at the same time, it makes him feel kind of kind of interesting. Kind of sexy. Look how dangerous kind this man alive. is. Yeah. Oh, Look wow. at his vest. Look at the arms that come out of it. Look how strong he is. Just imagine being wrapped up and pressed into that Kevlar vest. vest. <laughs> Think about how so he could hold you. <laughs> how close. You'd be so close to those bullets inside of you. <laughs> what, do you know what songs of his are on the radio right now? Uh, I don't. We can. It's not anything off of like Get Rich or Die Trying. No, I think that's all new material. Okay. He's he's pro- very prolific. Um, so he finally he kind of hits his his stride when um Eminem and Dr. Dre find him. Of course. Um, they hear his songs from either the radio or a mixtape or something, and they're like. We, I, I mean, I guess later referred to him as like they found a like a diamond, like yes, they found this diamond, and they didn't have to like develop him; they just needed to give him a platform, which that conveniently they had. Um, and Fifty was very excited to sign with them. He said they knew how to sell records, and I wasn't worried about it, Mister Fuck the Police and Mister I don't I just don't give a fuck censoring my material. <laughs> yes, it's true. When Eminem and Dr. Dre are your bosses, you can definitely anticipate a level of creative freedom. Yeah, uh, that I you mean, wouldn't if you had like lame white bosses. I can appreciate that situation to a certain ex- extent. Yeah, uh, he works with Dre on Get Rich or Die Trying. Dre. I believe produces a good chunk of that album. I'm going to have to check, fact check myself on that, but he records it in a very short amount of time. And Dre kind of like coaches him on little, little quirks in his, in his rapping. Yes. Da- Dr. Dre produced a uh, large portion of this album. Great. Um, he produced, should we listen to uh, something from there? Maybe patiently waiting. Featuring Eminem, produced by Dr. Dre. I mean, I just want to listen to Into Club. Let's okay, let's listen to Into Club. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, this song is like, you know, top top ten songs, two thousand three, probably of the most like of yeah. the of the time songs of of 2003 yes right yeah the beat is it's like it's hard but it's not scary mm-hmm. those like string strings are real big at this time yeah strings are real big these like string hits and everything yeah the go go shorty it's your birthday line is like yeah it's fantastic he got sued from that yes by uh what was, what was the that manager for two live crew yeah because they said he ripped off a line from a like a 1994 two live crew song yeah yeah The thing about this song also is it's one of those huge jarring differences between the censored and uncensored versions yes. of it. Because I only experienced the radio edit. I was not allowed to listen to uh, explicit music. And so the first time I heard the song in mm-hmm. its original form, I'm like, this is an entirely different song. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, 
he it's very catchy it's very uh sing-alongy he has all yep. these phrases that they, he throws in that are like kind of instantly iconic like catch me in the club bottle full bub yeah i mean it's not like radically inventive but it, i mean i feel like the learning that it's so studied that it is somebody who's just like kind of sits down and is like i i'm going to use rap to become successful yep. i'm going to just sit here and design good rap songs yes. in my head. Yes. Uh, versus, you know, somebody who's like, I have this vision that needs to be, uh, that needs to be realized and, and I will, I will follow my artistic inspiration. Yeah. You know? What do you call that? Like workmanlike? Yeah. It's, just, it's very, um, like it's like product design. It's yeah, kind of yeah. like the Johnny Ive of, uh, yeah. of, Rap. It's really catchy though. His like sing songy flow. Yeah, you can dance to it. Yeah, you can be a, like a man and dance to it, and it's not like you weird. can be fucking into club, listening to into club, and you're like, you know what? I am into club. Right People now. still get excited when the song comes on. Yeah. But then it is also this guy is also obviously palpably through his music very hard. Yes. And somewhat scary. Yes. And you knew of him of the time, like, oh, 50 Cent, the, that guy who got shot nine times and lived. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I mean, by the time that his fame and music were filtered down to me, a, a middle class white person who grew up in Vermont, uh, like all the details of like why you would get shot when you're doing or when you're selling drugs or yeah. any of the like politics surrounding the music or anything like that. Like it was all sort of boiled down to a, a like a, a, a balsamic yeah. reduction of like, he's scary and tough and will murder you. But I was like, but he, will he really murder you? Yeah, I mean, and they, he, he would have had it at a certain time. Yeah. And like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, not to be like too reductive about this, but like when you're just learning about these pop culture stories at this time, you know, you were coming out of an era where like the two main luminaries of the genre had very recently been murdered, murdered uh, by possibly by each other's crews, crews for like reasons that were like nebulous and like still under, still under uh, uh suspicion and, and you know, with no proof to it. So it's like, and that's why that learning about that that description of his of his shooting story just uh, like a few months ago mm-hmm. was so revelatory because at the time you took it as a given of like oh he's a rap guy who got shot a bunch because that happens to rap guys yeah right and uh, I feel like we went through kind of a a, a period where that didn't it was like happen t- tautological of like oh rap people get shot yeah because rap people get shot and I think that there mm-hmm. is obviously like huge like vast swaths of like racial and class-based assumptions and received wisdom about that. Yes. But also it's undeniably also just like part of hip hop. Yeah. Of that time. Yeah. Of that time specifically. But that's also part of the like wider story of where people were coming from. Yeah, exactly. Too. Yeah, it's all part of the same thing. And but but to but by rec- the time it got, maybe what I'm trying to say is like to receive that information through hip hop stories, through popular music, mm-hmm. kind of like is a different way of coding all all that stuff. You know? Yes, and that's where like oh, it's ob- he of course he got shot because he's like a tough rap guy, and tough rap guys shoot at each other, right? For, some inscrutable reason that I can't figure out because I'm a 13 year old Ohio white kid, right? Because there was no 
very few other filters through through which black culture could come yeah, into yeah, my yeah. life anyway. Um, and things got obviously very much reduced by like just rumors of what people talked about and how things got yeah. filtered down and lots of that is probably racist but too. then again all of his singles are about just like hanging out in the club and stuff and and like so, but he so says early but he says when i roll 20 deep it's 20 knives in the club it's he's true. not going to the club to have fun no he's got a lot of fucking knives for a good party he might have a little bit of fun he's, he's i mean hopefully the knives are there to ensure that he has a good time yeah it's better to go with knives than no knives yeah because then you some knives you can be some what about 20 people and 10 knives? One yeah. knife for every two people. If everybody has a knife buddy. Yeah. They split the knives through the night. Yeah. Yeah. Checking at regular intervals to make well, sure I, you have your knife buddy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting like way to receive this experience. I mean, read it, reading this book was kind of shocking to me, honestly. About how, like, about how, how extremely violent it was. Like, his mother was murdered. Like, he, mm-hmm. it, he doesn't know any other life yeah until he gets rich gets rich and i think we're kind of seeing that because i mean 50 cent re- recently made a, a song i guess with takashi 69 yeah so you're i mean this stuff who is will also most likely die trying to get rich well we'll see mm-hmm. um but this i think this stuff is cyclical or re- to a degree yeah a I degree mean, cyclical is one way to describe it or that it's just like all still the exact same shit or, or it's still all the exact same shit. Yes. Cyclical persistent. It's like, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something about like wealth disparity in the New York Metro region, but I'm not going to, <laughs> I mean, it's all, it's all part of this. Cause it's mm-hmm. like his will to not live this life is the only thing that made him not live this life. And at the same mm-hmm. time, that will is how this life, got filtered to us at a young age and now through investigating him through, through this age. And mm-hmm. they're two very different stories. And that's because apparently he st- sat down and was like, what can I do to make the things that I have done popular and palatable? Yeah. Yeah. But and also that's focusing mostly on the club, the club part the club and not part. so much the like the magic sticks and the, and the not so much doctors. the part where, where I offhandedly mentioned that I'm mad at somebody and two guys I know murder, them. murder them. Yes. Um, also the, just song material wise, like getting rich or dying, trying is um, very potent. But yeah. what, what about being rich and not having died? <laughs> kind of boring that's where jay-z is now that's where jay-z is and he's talking about uh yeah, yeah. real estate investment trust yes um the top marginal re- tax rates to you know uh gra- graduated like uh w- or what do you call it uh <laughs> what are those <laughs> like a 509 c-3 no the <laughs> so stupid the like the tax advantage college fund for your kids yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like what are those? That's what his for blue that's, and that's Ruby what his next uh, LP is going to be. Called. You know, you know they have one of those though. Yes. Come on, not take advantage of it. Um, get Richard I try and is recorded. Uh, he says it was illegally downloaded more than three hundred thousand times before it went on sale, and it still sold almost a million in its first not even full week. <laughs> so welcome to two thousand three. Kind of a weird time yes. to release your huge yeah. first hit album. Yes. Um, a, a little odd. So we basically, this is basically where we leave 50 cent in this book. Um, he, he has recorded the first album. He's at the end of the book. He's kind of like, 
I've got a movie in the works. I've got a vitamin water deal. This is before even like the movie came out. Yeah, this is, this is very early because I'm sure someone. This is before fucking even Candy Shop. Oh yeah, yeah. We gotta listen to a little Candy Shop. We'll bring up the Candy Shop. He loves those strings. So seductive. I don't think nothing ever really happened with Olivia. No. <laughs> unfortunately. No. Um, this is a Scott Storch joint. Yeah. Uh, big, big part of early to mid aughts hip hop production. Sure. Um, really precipitous fall for Scott Storch. An example of what happens when you do get high on your own supply. Oh, yeah. Way too much cocaine. Um Scott Torch started, I didn't realize this, he started as a keyboarder, a keyboardist for The Roots. He could, instead he could be playing, you know, every, every like sponsored party in yeah, New York exactly. City. Um, I mean, I don't want to digress too much on The Roots, but I saw a fucking Questlove talk once, semi-recently, like within the last few years, after he was, after he was playing uh, Fallon. And there's just like such a bitterness to the way that he talked about like the '90s Philly scene. Questlove. Questlove. Oh. About how everyone that the Roots worked with got famous, and it never happened in the same way for the Roots. Who, like, do you know, remember who he was talking about? Yeah, just like all the 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 fucking people in the like May, like Macy Gray. Oh. Oh yeah. Okay. Um. And how they worked really, really hard to like build this community of musicians, yeah, um, in Philly, and then like one by one, they all like got famous and got solo careers and moved out, and like Questlove was still there drumming every night, uh, and it was just really weird to hear that from somebody who you you really consider like you know a, a, a kind of a luminary musician of yeah, their like generation, a, bene- a benevolent, uh, yeah, like a- who seemingly has a really good sweet spot. But he still got a fucking drum every night, you know. Yeah. He never, he never really hit it with the 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 single that would set him. It's true. Free, you know. I've I think I've seen him twice at like you know mm-hmm. ridiculous like ridiculous brand parties in mm-hmm. New York. He's the always the one they call upon. Yeah. Um, and maybe he does not like that. Yeah. I'm sorry, Questlove. I'm sorry that it just didn't happen. I mean, you're still very successful, and maybe you just need to identify that success happened on a different set of terms than you expected and that sometimes is just the way it happens for example opening that's also, opening a chicken sad. sandwich rest- restaurant in chelsea market which i ate at once and it was really good Questlove has a had it had it closed because as we've learned the only thing more volatile than uh, Drug selling drugs is selling uh, sandwiches food. yeah 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 um i don't know 50 like he as i said before not not a lot of like distance between his rise and his sort of plateau Mm -hmm. uh he says near the end he says the thing is this all of the money all the success none of it is going to keep me alive longer than i'm meant to be but the icu is finished with 50 cent i didn't survive being shot nine times for nothing i didn't claw my way out of the hood just because it was something to do i don't think i've done everything i'm supposed to do yet but i do know this i ain't going nowhere till i've done it all Uh, that's i mean that's right and he really did claw his way out of the hood. Yes. I mean, that's a, that it is a fucking success story built on his own gumption. Yeah. 
And he managed to avoid a fate through a combination of luck and, I guess, incredible motorcycle driving skills. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he never went to jail. That's, frankly, incredibly impressive. He went, he went to jail-adjacent institutions, but he never went to jail. Yeah. I mean, America's fucking obsessed with entrepreneurship culture. And that is, like, a, that is a, an incredible story of entrepreneurship yeah and and working the hand that you're dealt yeah. extraordinarily hard yeah uh in a way that both envisions a better life for yourself and and um you know you uses all the tools at your disposal and it, it just plain industriousness to uh make something happen yeah and to, and to move constantly from a, a worse situation to a better situation and it's all i mean it's a little sad that he uses his what seems like an incredible aptitude for sales, marketing, management, uh, all things that uh, white people do terribly every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and he never had access to those like channels. Yeah. Would ev- never in a million years be yes. able to go to Wharton yeah. and start a company it's for origami paper and, joints to or like something. Manage ad sale metrics on some kind of integrated web platform or some kind of <laughs> fucking bullshit yeah that nobody actually benefits from that you're just generating more industriousness around an industry that doesn't actually produce anything for anyone yeah so maybe he's smart well, at least when you all. deliver drugs to somebody they enjoy it when you get there <laughs> and music and music when people Which like is, a good song i like to call it the drug of the year the the ear drugs injected straight yeah. into my ear i know it's not to it's funny that that the actual musical part of this the the developing music the the creativity part of it is such an afterthought for him because he's clearly a like creative person who has like sense of style and presentation and Mm -hmm. and subject matter and you know he got coached by two incredible uh hip-hop pioneers right uh but you know there's gotta be like if eminem if eminem calls you a diamond there's gotta be something there yeah so but I mean, yeah, it, music is another product. It's crack and then music and then a movie and then a video game. And now he's in a TV show. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what happened in the video game, but he said that it was it was in process. I don't know if it's like he a was, single, like a, a first he was person. Doing a video game? Yeah. Um, there appears to be a game called 50 Cent Bulletproof for uh, the PlayStation 2. He is on the cover looking extremely angry. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's very mad at you for, for buying 50 for disres- Cent Bulletproof. For disrespecting him on the street. You yeah. didn't say hi to 50 Cent, and now he's going to murder you. Yeah, he is going to murder you. This game came out in 2005. I mean, that's that's ingenuity. You're like, I'm, I'm famous right now. i gotta got to diversify. He was an early investor in vitamin water and his payout after it was sold to Coca-Cola was $100 million. But isn't he also bankrupt again? Yeah, okay. he is. He's, to say, to go a little bit more further in his life is that now it seems like, I mean, he's recently said some really not okay stuff about um, Terry Crews uh, yeah, yeah. A, a, accusing uh, a man of groping him at a party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he just, he said some stuff implying that it's you know unmasculine to complain about it i don't know something yeah, horrible he's i mean he's also he has recognized since how to rob that beefing with people gets you in the news mm-hmm. which is why he was like slyly referring to his jaw rule stuff without giving honestly too much credit to last year would have been a great year to fucking rip on jaw rule 
yeah, probably the best year yet. Yes. <laughs> uh, for all the fire fo- festival uh, nonsense. Yeah. So I don't know what we can say about 50 Cent now. Um, yeah, I guess he didn't move quite as comfortably into mogul uh, as, you know, your your ditties. Your ditties. I mean, Diddy really, really crushed her. Even he, Dr. Dre. Yeah, um, I mean, got certainly paid Diddy, Dr. Dre. In the end. Um, my, my theory is that 50 Cent made the world safe for Drake. In that, yes, you were saying this beforehand. But explain this because they seem like very different. Well, Drake is obviously music. he has never built his reputation on being violent, yeah, um, or even scary. But Fifty was like he was a hard guy who got soft and cushy and tender for the ladies, and I think ladies loved it. And guys were like, "Oh, that works really well." And I think Drake kind of like so you're transmogrified that, f- that into something way like way more commercial way less hard but drake still i mean drake raps like a, a shakespearean villain in act two where he's like <laughs> everyone is against me like i've lost all my like no one no one's protecting me it's just me out there no one can uh you know well both drake and taylor swift are evolving into the the uh paranoid delusion phase of their career yeah hell yeah uh which is making for some some great high camp songs yeah but I guess you're also trying to say that like uh, Drake is uh, or F- Fiddy is the Pixies where Drake is Nirvana, where they like really pioneered that hard or loud, <laughs> soft, loud yeah. uh, style. And then uh, Drake turned it or the Nirvana turned it into something uh, un- almost unwittingly more commercial. Yeah. Um, he Drake was like, what if I sing nice, soft, sweet nothings to you, girl, who I just follow on Instagram that I've never met in real life. Yeah, but Drake but, is sad and self-pitying in weird ways whereas the soft part of 50 cent like he looks at you like he's gonna kill you and then sings about or raps about how he's how gonna he's give horny. you the best orgasm of your life yeah he's gonna fuck you real good yeah and he, i was listening to a bunch of 50 cent uh songs today and he does speak often about <laughs> uh, working for for pleasure for the lady <laughs> yeah. so but I think I think the way Drake talks about power and reputation is very similar in that he's like uh, the way you act around Drake is is everything. And, he you know, if you don't treat him with respect, he's going to get really mad at you and yell at you, I guess, or I see you out at the Grammys. I don't know what the stakes are, but I, I think 50 50s biggest success was not his scary songs. It was his soft songs. And I think people realize more and more that the way to slither into the the hearts of the ladies is to offer up a slightly mushier side of yourself. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of buy that. Kind of. <laughs> I think I think they're very different. I'm now, I'm now just like really, uh, really drawn into the the how long the plot description of the Fifty Cent video game is. How long is it on uh, Wikipedia? It is over five hundred words. Sounds complex. Eminem plays a character called Detective McVicker. <laughs> okay. So that's 50 Cent. That's 50 Cent. He's cl- I mean, there's a there's a whole second act to him that maybe there'll be a big article yeah. that we cover. Well, he someday. wrote another book um, called The 50 Laws of Power. Oh, yeah? I think. So we can revisit 50 Cent. Okay, we can we revisit 50 Cent. Um, it's supposed to be kind of like an art of war type book, I believe. The 50th Law. The 50th Law. So 50th he did- Law is say hi to 50 Cent. <laughs> So, so he did go ahead and write his business guide. Yes, he did. Um, but now he just needs to expand 
He um, should turn it turn it in the fiftieth law into a podcast. Podcast, YouTube series, yes, TED Talks, personal visits, yeah, an afternoon one on one coaching, one on one coaching, career, uh, yeah, life life coaching, big like arena shows where you walk across hot coals, yeah, like the Tony Robbins stuff, yeah, hot melted uh, um, vitamin yeah. water bottles, <laughs> water bottles, yeah, yeah. ah ah ah, ah. Ooh, it's sticking. So how do you feel about fifty cents after after reading this? I feel like I'm definitely not going to walk over hot plastic. I feel, I mean, I, I feel impressed. Yeah. He's, he's kind of a, like, I think the thoughts that seem to come more from him than from his co-writer, like he's kind of like a funny, like a sort of a darkly funny guy. Yeah. Um, he's done some, I think probably literally unspeakable violence, uh, which we is never a good, don't do a violence kids. Never do a violence. The, extent of his rags to riches is is a little i expected it to be impressive and it it did not disappoint yeah and he might be involved in one of music's biggest murder conspiracies yeah. so well to be to be determined wild so let's move confidently into the end of this episode <laughs> now that we've uh, talked uh now that we've given you our 50 cent oh no no that's bad i don't know how to to segue this uh more please help me i don't know how to budget my family's dying. I've spent all my money on puns. <laughs> uh, maybe give us your two cents and follow us on Twitter at and intro pod or send us an email at and introducing pod at gmail.com. And our SoundCloud is, as always, at soundcloud.com slash and dash intro dash pod. Yeah. Uh, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes and you should rate and review us there too. Uh, but, uh, you know, if your review is going to come hard like nine bullets to the back, in a, while we're sitting in a car. Shoot us in the face. Don't, yeah, find Tell us it, in person. Find us in person. There's only so many bars yes, in New in York. Brooklyn, yes, You will find us eventually. Or hot dogs. Go where the hot dogs are. That's yeah, where we are. That is a good place to find us. Thanks for everyone for tw- tweeting uh, us and like recommendations yes. for books and stuff. All like, your tweets and, and recs are always greatly appreciated. I, by time this comes out, will have guested on Ballin' Out, uh, the internet's premier HBO Ballers recap podcast, where you mm-hmm. can hear me talking with the two hosts there about The Rock in his career, um, you know, preamble into the the fourth season of HBO's Ballers. You got a season that me only a series that only me and the hosts of the Ballers recap po- podcast uh, watch. But if you enjoy like speculating wildly about entertainers careers, like uh, we do on this show, then you might enjoy that as well. Cause I have a lot of thoughts to say about the rock and I've seen almost every one of his movies. He's very interesting. Yeah. Most of the time when I text Chris and see what he's doing, he's like, well, I'm seeing another rock movie. Yeah. This has been, Cause they come out so often. Yeah. There's, it's not your fault that the rock just loves what he does so much. It's so hard to keep up with his career. That guy's prolific. He's hugging dolphins, touching yes. manatees. Yeah. Um, and also, I'm sure if there's a shockingly small margin of people who hear, hear, hear this first, but uh, we announced some Chapo tour dates, uh, which you'll be able to find on chapotraphouse.com slash tour. Uh, I will Ooh. be there. I'll be running the shows from behind the book, the behind the booth, uh, and I'll also be getting drunk at the bars afterwards. So come yell at me there. Uh, tell me how I'm wrong about music. Or uh, suggest musicians we should cover here. Uh, the ratio of musicians suggested to musicians planned to be uh, future covered by fans is basically one to one. So uh, if you say it, we will do it. Yeah. It, yeah, literally. Anything else, Molly? Do you want to plug anything? 
I got I don't I got I got nothing to plug. You can follow me on on Twitter uh, at Miss Molly Mary. You should also follow Molly on Instagram at the Molly Zone. Yeah, the Molly Zone, which is where you put all your creative Instagrams. Well, yes. all of your Instagrams are creative. No, some of them are just pictures of me um, in you know different situations. <laughs> but oh, but your 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 videos and shit are at the Molly. Zone. Yeah, I put I put videos and stuff on the Molly Zone, so you should watch them. Um, they're 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 okay. They're, they're good. good. They're good. They're good. They're good videos. Follow me on Instagram. God damn it. Do it. Do it. Uh, I'm gonna wake up everyone in the whole goddamn apartment right now. Until they should all follow me on Instagram too. Yeah. I'm gonna go around and stick. We're gonna go door to door in the apartment doors. and yep. knock on everybody's doors and tell them to follow us on Instagram. Tired putting Chinese food menus under doors. Wired putting Instagram promo flyers. 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 I don't know. All right, we gotta sign off. <laughs> Sorry, uh, we're, we're going off the rails here a little bit. Uh, all right, and we'll see you in two. More weeks with another tale of musician's life. Uh, until then, catch us in the club. Uh, we've been and introducing.